welcome to another edition of Hoops Adjacent. I am David Aldridge with The Athletic here in D.C. in the lair. My man, Waz Lambre out in L.A. Waz, what's up, sir? I'm good, man. Can't complain. Happy to be here on another glorious episode of Hoops Adjacent. Waz, how many podcasts do you do? You do like 12 a week? Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, it's a lot, honestly. I'm sick of Rob Lopez's voice at this point, man. Like, Waz, get closer to the mic. Waz, <laughs> I'm just like, Jesus. Dude, I, can, I can barely do one, this one podcast. <laughs> Through this one, I don't know how you do. Like it's every podcast I look at, it's like with Waz Lambre. Yeah, like, damn, up with. I need a raise. Just put it right there. <laughs> Man, well, look, I appreciate it as always. Um, and I uh, wanted to holler at you real quick about a big, busy week again. Obviously, leading with the trade deadline, and uh, we saw some of the the big blockbuster, if you want to call them that, deals, or at least the biggest name deals. And what do you have thoughts? on either the, the Clippers deal for Marcus Morris or the Warriors deal that got them Andrew Wiggins, if there's anything in particular that stood out for you with that. Yeah, I, I feel like the Warriors might have panicked. Um, the idea that you would take back all that bad salary and Andrew Wiggins to give Minnesota a guy that they've been telling everybody who would listen, basically since June of last summer, that they were dying to have this guy. They were dying to get D'Angelo Russell. Um, Paul Anthony Towns, their biggest player, uh, basically was like, oh, I want to be on a team with this guy one day. He's my best friend and all of that. Like, basically, they telegraphed like they're desperate to make this happen. Um, you know, our colleague Ethan Strauss had his own even conspiracy theory. He was like, Carl Towns was questionable for two weeks straight. Nobody knew what the hell his injury was. A rumor comes out that they're talking to the Warriors about Russell. He plays the next day. Mm. A little blue flu there, you think? I mean, I, hey, listen. So they've been telegraphing this thing for for literally almost a year now. You know, we're in February now. It's been like, they've basically been like, we want this guy so badly. And I think the Warriors at the last minute got cold feet. Lacob got way cheaper than he needs to. Mm-hmm. And was like, you know what? F it. Um, we're going to be able to save on the tax. Just get the deal done. They could have got more um, from a team that was desperate. I, I, I tend to agree with you, Waz. I mean, I, it's it's. Um, I was listening to uh, Marcus and Tim and Ethan uh, talking. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Anthony Slater talking on their podcast about it and how they thought the Warriors, you know, this was unwarrior-like, you know, in terms of how they've done things the last few years. But it was kind of funny listening to them talking like, like, you know, oh my God, you know, these guys aren't infallible. They don't walk on water. They make mistakes like everybody else. That was kind of like, it was just kind of like the tone. I was, I was like, yeah, you know what? It's, it's easy to make decisions when you got two of the five best players in the league out there. And <laughs> you, know, right. you know what I'm saying? Right. You know, so right. it's, it's, it's a little different when you're trying to, when you're trying to build something around D'Angelo Russell, isn't it? So, um, and, right. And, and, you know, it's a lesson that we all need to heed. I feel like we lose sight of this at a lot of times. It's like, these guys hate spending money. Every single one of them. It's unbelievable. <laughs> like every single was, one of them. Was, I was, I mean, off topic for just a minute though, but it was, I, I could not get my arms around this. How can the, how could you, how is it that the Boston Red Sox, the Boston that's, Red Sox can't crazy. give Mookie Betts a contract? That's crazy. And they, and they justify it by saying, well, you know, you know, we, we want to stay under the tax. What? What? <laughs> You're the Boston Red 
Red Sox. Chris Money. What are you talking about? Oh my God. It's incredible. And it's going, and like you said, it's every owner in every sport. Everybody, I can't pay it. It's unbelievable. And it's like, and the thing is too, and you know, part of it is kind of human nature, right, David? And you mentioned it's like, all right, watching D'Angelo Russell who Paul Year, and you like, I'm paying the tax for this. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah, like, it. it's different when, when Clay and Seth yeah, yeah. and Draymond and KD coming in. down. It's like, yeah, 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 I'm good. But to watch D-Lo all year, and it's just like, past school, and it's yeah. just like, yeah. I'm paying the tax for this? For Willie Cauley's yeah. time? <laughs> right. right. I don't think so. And I think that's what kicked in. I think that's what happened. See, from a basketball standpoint, it, I don't hate this deal for the Warriors as much as some people do, because I'm sure. I'm not like the I'm not a big Andrew Wiggins fan, but I understand what what they're saying is they you know he 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 can at least play a position when they have their real team back on the floor next year, right? So he can he will be the three, and you hope that with Steph and Clay and Draymond out there and whoever they wind up playing center, maybe it's Looney, maybe it's somebody else. Um, that he can at least fill a role, you know, be great in his role as, as the cliche is in the NBA these days. Um, and, and, and fill, you know, and, and make shots and, and be at least credible defensively. So, okay. It's still not great. Just you know, like you mentioned, the money is just so onerous. And I just wonder like, I, I, this is going to take, I mean, how do they make a, how do they make a real run at, at, you know, Anna the Kumpo now? You know what I mean? Like yeah, that was, I, that was I like the big play, right? In 2021. I think they're looking at it as if, you know, we got some assets, I guess, to play around with in the case that Antetokounmpo basically says no to the extension in the summer and Milwaukee gets, you know, they get petrified and they're like, you know what? This guy's leaving. Let's do something with probably a partner that he's going to be happy to dance with. And they probably think they're positioning themselves for that. Also, if you're a Warriors fan, of course, we should offer some silver linings. Um, I watched Harrison Barnes go 0 for his life in the playoffs, basically be capable of walking and chewing gum at the same time and get basically $100 million from Sacramento, right? All because he was playing next to Klay Thompson and Steph Curry and Draymond Green. Um, I think Andrew Wiggins is actually a lot more talented than he is. Certainly offensively, for sure. Yeah, offensively specifically. Defensively, he whacks and wings. Yeah, yeah. I, I think sometimes he takes his one-on-one assignment serious enough, but his help defense is just like, dude, you know this is a system, and the coaches talk about the string. You're off the string, brother. <laughs> right, right. So, I, I, you know, if there's a silver lining to offer, um, you know, Steph cures a lot of ills, man. He's, he certainly does. And, 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 you know, I think... Andrew Wiggins is actually overqualified for the Harrison Barnes role. He's not paid as if he's that type of player, but he, you know, let's face it, he's overqualified to be that type of player, um, even within a system. So there's that. Uh, but man, I, I, I just don't understand why you would take back bad money to give a team a guy that they literally been lusting over since June. <laughs> right. You would think they would have held out longer, right? I yeah. mean, um, but like you said, maybe, you know, it, it certainly feels like Lakeup just said, look, let's just get this done. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Um, also, Dave, there's something to be said about seeing a guy up close. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's like, to themselves, they're probably like, this guy's not that good. Believe me, I know. I'm not <laughs> guessing. The coaches were like, yeah, we're done with this guy. Tony told the old man to tell me to tell you. Mm-hmm. It's what it is. What it is. It's what it is. They wouldn't dare. Let's bring D.A. into the conversation here. Welcome to Hoops. Karma is... Make America what it ought to be. I turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs and just like the bullshit and his braggadocio. I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better than Shaq. With David, David Aldridge. Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing him. Yes. <laughs> yes. Come on, we're friends, aren't we? And then he yeah. cut their lungs out in front of everybody on TV. Michael was not your friend. So the Chicago and Detroit stuff, that was real. That was real. I mean, God forbid we don't have scholarship monies and can't pay for the charters for the water polo <laughs> in Iowa. Hoops fascinated by the reaction this week to the Gail King interview with Lisa Leslie. And for those who maybe didn't see it, you know, Gail King is on CBS New- CBS This Morning, I think is the show's called. Um, one of the anchors on that show has been on there for years, does a really good job. Obviously, we know she's a very good friend of Oprah Winfrey's. We, all, we get all that. Um, <clears throat> But she did an interview with Lisa Leslie, and, and, the, and the subject matter was was about Kobe because Lisa and Kobe obviously were very tight, very close um, over the years. And during the course of that interview, Lee, um, Gail King went in, you know, with some detail about the whole Colorado thing and the rape allegations. And I don't. And and Lisa Leslie was adamant in her defense of her friend Kobe Bryant. She said, I never never saw that side of him. I don't think he was. I don't think he's capable of doing that. Uh, blase blase. And then, you know, Gail King followed up. She didn't, like, just leave it there. She was like, well, you know, there were questions about the witness tampering and, and intimidating the witness and all that. And um, it just kept going on and on for a few minutes. And it was a little uncomfortable. I grant you, I watched that. I watched it. It yeah. was a little uncomfortable. Um, but Gail King got the got the serious blowback was, I mean, the serious criticism from a lot of black people, black women in particular. Like, how could you do that to another black woman? You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, how could you do that? And then there was the, the other, the other punch she got was just from people who love Kobe. How could you bring that up? You know, this isn't the right time to talk about that. You know, how could you, how could you, you know, challenge his friend and on and on. Just wonder what you thought about the whole controversy, man. Cause I heard from a lot of people that I really like and respect that really were angered about it. And it, and it just again speaks to, I don't think people have any idea what it is that journalists do for a living, but I wanted your thoughts about it. I, the the only difficulty, honestly, I have about it is that this the idea that you know Lisa Leslie should have to answer for what Kobe did. Correct, right? You know, like that's where it gets tricky for me, right? On the one hand, I understand, like, all right, if you're gonna come out and start evangelizing this for, on behalf of this guy who passed away, um you kind of open yourself up to it, right? Like, if you take on the mantle, like, all right, I'm carrying the Kobe torch, and this is what I'm out here doing. I'm spreading the gospel of Kobe and the mama mentality and this and this and that and the third. You open yourself up to that, but at the same time, it's just, you know, the idea that this woman should have to speak for what Kobe did that night in that hotel room, I, I just, that's where the difficulty comes. But, 
again, they've like I, we talked about it here. I don't think these questions are out of bounds. And then, you know, in full disclosure for anybody who's listening to this, I'm probably the biggest LeBron James fan on the planet. Um, but when he comes out and he says, yo, Lisa Leslie, you held it down. Sometimes we're our own worst enemies. That's bullshit. Yeah. That's that just that, sorry. That's that black on black crime again. That's BS. That's BS. That is BS. I just think that's it's easy. BS. Yeah. David, the idea that black people are the worst enemy of black people is ridiculous. We're our own biggest advocates. In fact, we're the only ones who actually care about us. Right. Um you can go. I, I, I'll give you a list of races, ethnicities, cultures. How many of those people think they're better than us? So this idea that we're our own worst enemy, stop saying stupid stuff like that. It's BS. I agree, Waz, and I just it, it that that really bothered me from LeBron because LeBron is not new to this. He's thirty five years old. He's been in the public eye for twenty years. He knows what reporters do for a living, right? Yep. You know, he's been interviewed about tough subjects before. And you know that you, you know, you, you understand, you should know better. You know what, you know, whether it, whether it's, forget me, you know, the people that you, that you associate with in LA, you know, or in Miami or in Cleveland, you know what they do for a living. You know what I mean? So to pretend like you're stunned that somebody asked a hard question of, of Lisa Leslie, you know, come on, man, this is what, this is what reporters, this is our job, you know? And, and someone made the point, like, like what, I mean, and again, it's impossible in this context of Kobe to be able to, to have, to say anything, because if you don't mention it, you get killed by the women's group saying, how could you not mention it and believe the women? And, you know, you're, you're, you're at, you're apologizing for a, 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 a an accused rapist and you're sweeping it under the rug and you're just hero worship and hagiography and all that. So, but if you do mention it, how could you speak ill of the dead? He just died two weeks ago. One, one, well, you're not thinking about his family and his wife and all that. So you can't win. Right. <laughs> you know, in our right. job, you can't win. And, and it's Gail's job to ask the question. It is. That's what people need to understand. That, again, Lisa Leslie voluntarily went on that program. She didn't go to Lisa Leslie's front door and say, what's up with Kobe and them rapes? Like, that's not what happened. Like, Lisa Leslie voluntarily came on to that program to talk about Kobe. Right. So, like, it's not Gail King's fault that this is part of the story. If you want to talk about how do we handle it, I think that's a great discussion to have. You know, in fact, I asked people, I asked the question, I was like, if, you know, this this idea that Kobe's a quote-unquote rapist. I said, if I, I don't know, if I draw a picture today, am I an artist? Right. You know, like, like, at what point do you become the IST? At what point does that get attached to you, right? Like, if I write a rap today, am I a rapper, or am I just somebody who wrote a rap? Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a very difficult subject to talk about because everybody's already made up their mind. You know what I mean? So you can't. You're not going to convince anybody who doesn't already believe what they believe that that they may be wrong. You know. Um, you just not. Um, and it's very difficult. That's why it's difficult to bring it up. And and I will say this in defense of Lisa Leslie. I don't know what the ground rules were for that interview or if there were any ground rules. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if the producer or Gail King 
went to Lisa Leslie or her people and said, hey, we're going to talk about, we want to talk to you about Kobe Bryant and it's going to be all about his life and like, it's going to be just about his legacy and, and the positive things he did. And she got sandbagged or did they go to her and say, look, we want to talk to you about Kobe. We may have to ask you about Colorado just so that you know, so we're not trying to, we're not trying to trick you. So I don't know. That's what I don't know. And so in, until I know that, I can't make a judgment on the rightness or the wrongness of what Gail King did. I just think as a journalist, that's what we do for a living. We have to ask uncomfortable questions because people do uncomfortable things in their life, right? <laughs> and you have to ask about them. And, and you know, there is no good time. That's the whole point. Also, folks got to understand that um, this isn't the same thing as like, you know, Trayvon Martin gets killed by uh, his neighbor, his dad's neighbor. And then they start talking about that he smoked weed. <laughs> you know, like this is not the same dynamic going on here. We're talking about a guy who basically is being treated as a deity. Mm -hmm. So this is the opposite end of that. Yeah. Um, and people, you know, want context. And that's fine. It's like people got to not be afraid to treat people as they are. Like, I don't know. Like, I come from my household. Like, it's like my mom and my dad, two people who I look up to, they never hid anything from me. Like, they were like, yo, I've, you know, your, your mom has messed up before. Your dad has messed up before. These people are my heroes. But I know them to be human beings, you know? Like, there's nothing wrong with somebody being a human being. There's nothing wrong with somebody having made a mistake before. Now, if people want to say, yo, I don't think Kobe ever atoned for this thing. Yeah. We can have that argument. Like, we can have that discussion. We can have all the discussions. They, but, like, this idea that, you know, something's off the table. Like, yo, you, you can't take it off the table for that woman who would happen to. And I get that. You know, I understand. You have to, you have to, you know, like I, like I said, there's never a good time to talk about controversial things. It's never a convenient time. You know what I mean? So when are you going to talk about these controversial things? You know, it's, it, you know, you can't gloss them over. You just have to, you know, you, you do the best you can. And I, I had an email exchange with a buddy of mine that I said, look, you know, when you are basically asked to write, write an obituary in real time, it's hard to know what to include and what to leave out. It really is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can't, it's very yeah. difficult, you know, like it's not easy to try and summarize somebody's life you know, on deadline in two hours, you know what I mean? Like we're all complicated people. We all make mistakes. We all do dumb things. How much do you emphasize the dumb things? I mean, that's, and, and, you know, the, the, the criminal things, if you, even if you want to go that far to that, to that conclusion, um, because people do, at least we believe in this country. I thought we believed in the idea that people can be rehabbed. You know, that people can right. can rise right. above what ha what they did. You know what I mean? Like they can transform themselves and they can become better people. I mean, isn't that what we talk about? And, th and that's what we aspire to as a people, right? Like, yo, we want to give people second chances. We want people to redeem themselves. These are qualities that, you know, we brag about, you know, having. <laughs> like, I don't know, like... Uh, you know, I, I I don't I don't know that I've spoke to a lot of people in real life, David, because you know on the internet everybody's is, is right, 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 right. I've yet to speak to somebody in real life who felt like you know this shit was unforgivable. 
We can't move on from it. Kobe was irredeemable. I've never heard somebody say that. It's like it's a lot. It's very and and we're gonna bring uh, bring in skis here in a minute because he's ready to rock. But to me, there's parallels between this and Michael Vick being arrested and going to prison for running a dog a dog fighting ring. Okay, so I'm not making it a thing, quote unquote. I know what he did. I know what he was accused of. I know he went to prison for it. This is one of these things that I'm ignorant about, uh, David. I, I I can't I can't believe we did all this busting dog. Okay, so he's just frozen in time, right? Like he can't ever evolve or do better or 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 have a genuine change of heart in terms of how he views animals and what he wants to do to protect animals. And by all accounts, he has had a genuine change of heart about it and has, and has put his time and, and money into efforts to keep, um, you know, to help out animals that are, that are injured or that are victims of dog riding, fighting rings and all that sort of thing. You just going to, that just doesn't matter anymore. Like you just can't, he can't be, somebody who's evolved or who's redeemed himself in any way. He's just Michael Vick, the dog killer forever. Right. So um, that's what I'm talking about. And it's like, you know, when do people, do people ever get a chance to do better? You know? So anyway, I'm, I just thought that was interesting to talk about what, and, and uh, it's a, it's a, it's an odd transition and I apologize to Skeets for this, but, but this is what we do in the, in the podcast business. When people are ready to rock, we rock with them. So um, joining us now, as we transition and talk about the trade deadline and all things hoops is the legendary J.E. Skeets. You all know him. Now, look, I, Skeets, I'm apologizing in advance because I'm going to say the starters before this interview's over. I apologize in advance. I don't know there's some legal things that you can't say, that you can't acknowledge that, that name anymore. But um, he is now in our family here at The Athletic. It's part of the No Dunks Daily Podcast, Skeets, Taz, Trey, Lee, and J.D., the original basketball podcasters who break down the league's biggest games and headlines, answer listeners' questions. I would never answer listeners' questions, by the way. And, <laughs> no, I wouldn't do it. Well, no, no. I'm not having, I'm not talking to, you know, Vinny from Passaic about why the Knicks didn't, you know, why the Knicks didn't trade, you know, Wayne Ellington for, uh, you know, for Russell Westbrook at the deadline. You know what I'm saying? So, Skeets, welcome, man. Appreciate your time. What's up, guys? I'm happy to be on. Yeah, from the Basketball Jones to the starters to now no dunks here with The Athletic. Uh, yeah, every week I sort of regret asking for questions from the fans, but it's a lot of fun at the same time. <laughs> Man, what did you think of the trade deadline? Yeah, it was um, it was exciting. It was a lot more exciting than I honestly thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. We talked on our podcast on No Ducks about I liked how it was paced out over the a couple of days leading up. I like yeah, how we, uh, I like that we got the big deal, uh, the 14, 12 player deal with all those guys involved, sort of a little, uh, you know, almost as an appetizer into the deadline day itself. And even deadline day, I thought the trades were coming, you know, they weren't gigantic trades, but they were coming at a nice little clip. So yeah, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. So I was at Staples yesterday and I watched um, the Lakers play the Rockets. Um, and I thought, you know, whatever. The Rockets are energized. their new thing. Blah, blah, blah. They're doing all of that. The one thing that came to my head, I was like, this shit not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the second that you understand that, like, I can just stay home on Westbrook all day. Um, I can load up on James and help off a certain type of guys. Like, the second anybody, like, actually thinks about how to guard this team, they're going to be able to do it. Like, this team is eminently guardable. And... They're not going to stop anybody. Like, like they couldn't stop the Lakers even yesterday as the Lakers are doing this dummy offense where, you know, they're force-feeding JaVale McGee. 
um, for reasons that nobody will ever understand. Um, I just think like, this is not going to work. And this deal felt very panicky. It felt like, um, I don't know. It's like your mom tells you to do a chore and you just do it poorly or you do it the way that you want to do. And I think that's what Maury did. He's like, I'm probably out of here in the summer. Um, this guy said he wants to save money. I'm going to save him money, but I'm going to make a team that I actually enjoy watching. And I think that's what he did. Is it the counter to that, though? Was it going to work with Capella? It wasn't going right, to work. Right, no, right. and the, the, right. no, excuse. That's the thing, too. Like my exact quote when they traded for Westbrook this summer was, "That shit ain't gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work." It was a panic move. It, it felt so panicky, and it felt so weird to watch the Rockets trade for Westbrook when you know how the Rockets do. They do their whole political campaign for James Harden every year. Yes. And 2017 when Westbrook won, for all intents and purposes, Daryl Morey's job was to shit on that guy. He killed him. He he basically went out on every single media platform without saying so many words like, this is nonsense what he's doing. It's not winning basketball. It's not real. Does winning matter? Like, all of this stat compiling. Like, he basically, you know, assailed the guy's game. That's what he did for months on his Harden is the actual 2017 um, MVP campaign. And then they traded for him. And I was like, this is nonsense. It was crazy. And, uh, you know, and now, and but uh, to your point, Skeets, I, I, it wasn't going to work with Capella, obviously. Right. I love it. I'm all in on this. Uh, I think the, the best term for it, I know everybody just goes like small ball or micro ball or whatever. I love pocket rockets. Yeah. I'm all in on that yeah. with, with these guys. Um, I, I'm with you. I just I love the experiment just to see whether it can work at all or not. I hear the reservations, but I will say you're right. They don't care. We are going to gun 53 pointers a game. Let's see if the math will work out because we don't care. They're doing the thing uh, that happens in pickup basketball with at least myself being a much smaller guy. I'm mm. light. You know, I'm 100 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> but what do I love more than anything when I play pickup ball? is when somebody, they see me, they go, okay, let's just take them down to the block. But they don't have that in their game. They don't want to actually do that, but they just think they have to because they're bigger. But it yeah. actually screws up everybody's offense, and it's like you're actually hurting your chances of trying to play this way. So they're sort of like that goes to what you're saying, Waz, about JaVale McGee posting up. I get it. Maybe teams will figure out a better way how to play them. But the Rockets are like, we're going to hopefully tire you out because we're all athletic because we're all shorter, <laughs> and we're going to try and force more turnovers um, and we think by turning to like getting you to turn the ball over because of our, you know, athleticism, our switchy uh, defense, because we're all the same size that we're going to score more going in transition, transition threes with the second wave coming after Westbrook, than you are going to score in second chance points off the offensive glass. I think that's their, their straight up reasoning and leaning into this. And, uh, it's going to be fun to see if it can, if it works at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like it as a science experiment yeah. for sure. <laughs> You know, like, I like it as a, just a basketball proposition. Like, what would it look like for a team for 30 games to just straight up never play a center? It, like, that's cool, right? Like, that's fun as an idea. But, you know, the concept that, like, this thing can't be figured out or, or like, they're going to somehow learn how to stop people, I, I just can't see it. Yeah, well, I mean, we I don't, you know, the, the switchiness part of it, I think, mitigates that somewhat. Here's what I think will happen. It's not so much that the style can't work. I think the style could work. 
you know, what, what difference does it make if you start a 6'6 center or a 6'10 center? You know what I mean? Like, what difference does it really make? You know, it's just kind of gimmicky. Hey, we got five 6'6 guys on the floor. That's just kind of a gimmick. It doesn't really matter how tall they are, right? Um, but the, the thing I wonder about and I think is going to be difficult for them to avoid is just kind of like the wear and tear, the freak injury. You know, whoever it is, LaMarcus Aldridge or, you know, um, or you, or Nurkic when he comes back for Portland in a playoff game, just tur- catches the ball, turns and clocks my boy PJ Tucker in the head because that's where his head is. <laughs> you know what I mean? And now he's just out for two games with a concussion. That's what I think is going to happen. It's not so much that. It's not, it can't work because they're a certain height. It just means, it's just physics. Like the, you know, the, the Rockets are all about the numbers. Okay. A guy that's 6'9, 280 is probably going to wear on a guy that's 6'5, 235 over the course of 50 or 60 possessions in a game. It, it completely falls apart if Tucker gets injured. Completely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They don't have, I mean, it may not work as it is, but it has no chance of working if Tucker yeah. is out as, you know, as the center, the big guy, the, the guy in the block. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the um that's the other side of it, Skeets. When you say they want to wear teams down, they're wearing themselves out. They were selling out last night, like they were playing their asses off, right. hustling defensively. Um, I think offensively, like I said, the Lakers were super undisciplined. I'm watching AD freaking close out the hardest he ever did, as if Russell Westbrook was Mark Price or something. <laughs> and I'm like. Like, that type of thing is the kind of thing that smart teams are going to take completely out of their diet, and it's just going to be like, go ahead, guys. Do your little one-on-one thing. Make this happen for yourselves all game long. We stay uh, disciplined in our defensive assignments. We're going to watch you do whatever you want. Yeah, Harden, do your 20-step backs. Do, like, just do it. I actually think in the playoffs, it, it actually has a better chance of working in the playoffs, believe it or not, than I think in the regular season. Because what do you have in the playoffs? You have days off. <laughs> you right, have yeah. multiple days off. They don't practice anyway, right? I mean, they don't have shoot-arounds. They have eliminated shoot-arounds. They don't have them anymore. And they're like <laughs> a lot of teams in the NBA. They just don't have shoot-arounds anymore. But the Rockets, you know, officially ended the practice a couple of years ago. So they're going to have time to rest in a seven-game series. So I actually think it's not – it, it could actually work it, depending on the matchups and luck and all those things that we talk about. I actually think it could work in the playoffs m- more than people are giving it credit for because of the days off between games, you know, and the lack of the relative lack of travel in a, in a seven game series. So I think it could work, but Skeets, I wonder, I, I'm curious, did you have any like sneaky good trades that you thought somebody made uh, at the deadline yesterday or in the last couple of days before the deadline? You know, I, I mean, look, I think I would have liked to have seen Kevin Love get moved, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to really anywhere. And I had a long time ago when the Suns were a little bit more in the playoff race. You know, there was a trade to be made between the Suns and Kevin Love. And if they really wanted to get sort of like, you know, a quote unquote sort of all star there beside Booker to make a push to just even get in the playoffs because they haven't had a lot of success. There was something that could have been done there with, you know, expiring contracts and stuff like that. So that obviously didn't happen. But in terms of, yeah, like the actual moves, um, I wasn't nothing really blew me away. Like, look, the heat getting Igadala and helping also their books and, you know, not having to give anyone really of note away. Um, you know, I, I do like Justice Winslow, but don't get me wrong. The guy just could never play. Mm-hmm. So they had all these other guys that are, you know, performing well, these sort of hidden gems in Duncan Robinson and obviously the rookies and Hero and Nunn and, 
and stuff like that. They just like, they didn't give anyone away that was in their rotation. So like they made out well, um, even if I don't think, you know, that Iggy is, He's, he's, he's old. I mean, he's, he's been <laughs> golfing a lot. I, I'm sure he's taking care of his body. The guy's got one of the greatest physiques still in the league, I bet. But, you know, at that NBA age, uh, he's getting up there. But he should help. So they, what they did was nice. Um, yeah, the minor ones. Marcus Morris, I, I guess um, I like the Clippers acquiring him. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a better Mo Harkless. I mean, I've compared Marcus Morris. I see Doc Rivers, what he thinks maybe he has back with his 07-08 Celtics championship team. Could Marcus Morris be like a souped up version of James Posey. Right. James, yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Um, a, a veteran guy that plays some physical defense that can hit the three Posey. I mean, I had forgotten. I had to go look, but like yes. after Ray Allen and Paul Pierce, he was huge. James Posey hitting threes. Yeah. He was huge in the playoffs for them that year. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, if they got, if the Clippers added that to already the depth they have, um, you know, then they're making out and look, you also do the whole thing where you kept Marcus Morris from going to your opposition in the Lakers right. and stuff like that. So it's a win-win, but yeah, I mean, the weirdest trade of the day was, I mean, I guess in a weird way, the saddest trade of the day was Andre Drummond being moved for a bag of beans. Just for like shoes. You know what I mean? Just- it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it really is crazy. Can you think like DA was like four years ago or five, whatever. There is no way Andre Drummond is traded for that. He's probably traded for two first round picks. Right. Like, right. you know, again, just as, as recent as like three, four, five years ago. So yeah, for Henson, Brandon Knight and, and uh, the lesser of a second round pick, I mean. That's uh, that's just where we. That's where we're at here. I think what happened to Drummond is that his actual game fell way, or no, the theory of who he could be eventually receded to the back. Mm-hmm. I think on years that's what we thought about Drummond. Like he would flash like a little handle. He would flash some court vision. He would flash these different things. And of course, he's this huge guy with athleticism. And we're like, dude, there's a player a hell of a player deep down inside of that dude. And it just never happened. And I think everybody's just tired of theorizing what kind of guy he could be mm-hmm. and just got, and that's, I think that's what caught up with him. Like, you know, there was a point in time where it was just like, this guy is going to be dominant. And by the way, he came, remember as a rookie, he was impactful right sure. away. And I think that's what happens. A lot of times we're so used to rookies just completely stinking up the joint. So when a guy comes out and immediately starts doing impactful stuff, we extrapolate that, you know, to the umpteenth power. We're like, oh, that means by year four, he's going to be well, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But a lot of times they end up just doing incremental increases in, you know, their ability. And that's all that ever happens. I think Drummond came in. He, he was so good right off the bat as a rookie. And he flashed so many different things that get – Hoop nerds like us excited, right, to watch him run a break full court, to stop at the foul line and give a beautiful bounce pass. This is like, wow, the, a dude that huge with this level of athleticism, wow. But then, you know, and then I think a lot of this stuff skeets to his attitude where people think he's immature. Mm-hmm. People think he doesn't take it serious enough. Um, He's battling a lot of that. Uh, I think that's what happened here. It's possible. I mean, he is a two-time All-Star that has that is an elite rebounder. I mean, that is his one skill. Like yeah. you know, at yeah. the very least, what you're getting, and you even said it it's was like this guy in his first couple of years in the league. Yeah, you know the numbers were really nice there. Second year, he was like a 13 and 13 guy, but he had holes in his games. And then, like by the fourth or fifth year, whoa, 
he suddenly had added a little bit of playmaking and he got a little more comfortable with that. I'm just, I just can't get over a guy that is also, by the way, super durable. He almost never misses a game. He never misses a game. And, yep. you know, okay, it, it is, it's 15 and 15, 17 and 15. Um, again, unbelievable on the glass. He's added some wrinkles to his game. He, he sort of, you know, gets you, get you the stocks, the steals and the blocks. Uh, I think we all know, yeah, the box score is nice, but he's not even half the player as a Marcus Saul, right? Like to compare the two, a lot of GMs are going to be like, I'd rather Marcus Saul. He's just going to help our chances of winning basketball. But all that to say, I mean, still for Henson Knight and the lesser of a second round pick, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. And a big part of it, like, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. It is the whole uncertainty with, how much do you pay this yeah, guy? Right. His contract. Summer, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, yeah. Not only his free agency, but even if he's going to test it this summer, right. Cause maybe the, the Pistons, it, by the way, <laughs> you, you don't think he is no. here. Do you, he's not wow. going to walk away from $29 million. Are you kidding me? Wow. Yeah. Where is he wow. going to find $29 million out there? And there's, and there's no, yeah, he's not going to get, he's not getting a, a, Al Horford deal this summer. I don't think so. Uh, you don't think he's oh, he's going to get a, could he not get a Vucevic deal? No. He, I mean, he could, could he, I suppose he could. I would be shocked if he did. Who are the suitors? Yeah, I mean, who is going to put... He's already on the team that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> no, don't see right. it. You're right. I just and, don't uh, see it. I, that, you, know. you know, Dallas is a potential there, but, I, you know, I feel like... Dallas has to max out, you know, Luca in a year or two. Big money to this guy, and you see Porzingis as your five of the I just future. I don't think that's a fit. And even if it is a fit, they're not going to pay him $29 million. That's all I'm saying. No, Where is no. there $29 million in the NBA universe for Andre Drummond this summer? Where? Show me yeah. the team. Charlotte. <laughs> Charlotte. I'm sorry. Who owns the Charlotte Hornets? <laughs> <laughs> I guess here, here's I, – I hear you. You're absolutely right. He is not going to get $29 million if he were to test free agency. But does he think and does his agent think uh, the longer we wait in today's NBA game, the more years we continue to be in this league, your value at the position you play and the way you play gets less and less and less. So maybe, yeah, we turn down the 28, 29 million, get into free agency and can get a Vooch-like deal where it, you know, yeah, it's more in the 20, 20 to 22 or whatever, but for the years and you lock up the years, he's only 26. I also always think Andre Drummond's he like 32. Really yeah. Um, so there is that. He part. just looks like he's 45. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. He, and he came in he so young. He looks like he's um, Marvin Gaye circuit was going on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you out of here on this one. Um, I, I am always amazed. You are from uh, the great white North and what, and I love, love, love Canada. I love Canadians. They are the nicest people. I know it's a cliche, but it's true. You guys are the nicest people on earth. Um, I, what do they think of the Raptors this year? Not last year when they won the title. I'm actually more impressed with them this year. I must tell you the way that they have kind of just moved on almost seamlessly from Kawhi Leonard. To me, this is even more impressive than winning a championship with him. I can't speak for all Raptors fans. I want you to speak for all 70, 73 yeah. million Raptors fans. In yeah, but I, but I will anyway. Is what my next lie was going to be. Um, no, you're right. I think, uh, and myself included, being a Raps fan, this is a more, it's oddly more exciting this year watching this team perform mm-hmm. the way they have than it was last year, even though they went and won the title with Kawhi Leonard. Because, you know, after he leaves, after Danny Green goes with them, there definitely is, I mean, look, everybody's on cloud nine still because, my God, they won a championship. But there is the sense of like, okay, well, now what? 
And, oh, in the end, he left anyway. Oh, that's not a good sign. But the idea that these guys have a chip on their shoulder because Kawhi helped the Raptors win a title, and I truly believe they don't win one without him. Okay, that's not breaking news. Mm -hmm. But I think we also have to now, especially considering this year, go, there's no way he wins a title without these guys as well. Some of these guys in, in obviously, Kyle. And, you know, Pascal Siakam taking the leap last year and then even more this year. And Marcus all coming into the trade deadline and Serge playing the way he did. And Fred Van Vliet. Serge was so amazing from the conference finals on. I know. I know. So was incredible. So, I mean, it was the perfect blend and they had the perfect coach too. And that's the other part. Like Raptors fans, like we believe in Masai. God, thank God the the Knicks are going to probably move on to Leon Rose, uh, and, and maybe we keep him. Wizards still out there, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm a little worried still. But also Nick Nurse. I mean, I think he's proven in, in his very short time in the NBA that he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. Because, and DA, you know this, like, coaches at this level, they're stubborn, right? I mean, they yeah. do what they do. They practice how they practice. They implement what they implement. It's got them to that particular level, one of the 30 jobs in the world at yeah. the NBA status. Why would you change it? And they're always hesitant to make moves. Nick Nurse is just a freewheeling son of a gun. Like he has no problems within a game, let alone a series or a season, to be like, no, no, let's try this. Yeah. You know, let's put a full court press on. Let's box you know it up he, here. You know when he showed Crazy. me that? Um, yeah. Last year when they traded for Marc Gasol and they were, they were switching out when they would um, start Surge yeah. and when they would start Mark. Yeah. And he got them to buy into the idea that it's going to be matchup dependent. You guys are both going to get your minutes, but as far as starting, we're going to play with this. And he got them to buy into that. And I was like, that's amazing. (laughs) Right. Like, because Marcus Saul is known as a a bit of a know-it-all and a bit of a, like, he's, he's kind of a cranky guy. Like, don't talk to me about basketball. I'm a savant, blah, blah, blah. And Nick Nurse talked this guy into like, yo, we're trying things, man. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna tinker with things, and I think it's gonna work this time. Let's try it. Let's do it. The fact that he got those two guys, they're veteran guys, they've been paid before. Like, you can't like these are the type of guys, like you really can't say nothing to me, Nick Nurse. Like I'm I'm in this league, I'm established. If you ain't want me, I could go anywhere else and get busy. Like, I don't care about you. Mm-hmm. He got those guys to buy him. And I was like, man, there's something to this guy. Yeah, and this is like a first year coach. You right. know, like this isn't right. A, right. this isn't an established uh, Pat Riley or, yeah, or Popovich or something like that. Yeah, it is pretty amazing. So yeah, like the to, to get back to just what you asked there, Da. Like people are excited about this, and they haven't been healthy at all, yeah. and they yeah. still right. continue to rack up these wins. Um, and they're never out of a game. I mean, this yeah. team truly. I think I don't know if it is because they have that championship pedigree now. A lot of them, they just think like we are still in this. Like we, yeah. are, I don't care if we're down. Like you just saw it with the Pacers game. They had no right winning that game. Right, 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 right. And, you know, yeah. they got they got a little funky with the press. Pascal, a couple big steals. And, like, suddenly, you know, Kyle hits a big three. And then they lock it down on the other end. And and they pulled it out to, to get to 12 straight. So, yeah, they're, this team is uh, – I, I think this idea of Kawhi leaving has actually brought them even closer because it's like, no, no, no. Okay, like, yeah, he was amazing. He was special. But we played a part in this. And, yeah, right, right, right. You know, and, and we, can, we can still shock a lot of people. Now – Will will Siakam be able to be Kawhi come, you know, 
three minutes left to go in the game. We need a bucket. Right. Right. What we saw Kawhi do time and time again in that playoff run. That's, that's my concern. That's my reservations as a Raps fan. But at the same time, we're just still enjoying the, the, the victory lap here. <laughs> well, Skeets, enjoy it, man. You shoot, you deserve it. You earned it. Um, uh, I will take seven more games of Toronto, uh, in Milwaukee conference finals. Uh, I'll take yeah. that right now. I would love that. That would be awesome. Um, and, and I will take Toronto in the finals again. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. Um, love spending time up there, especially in the summertime when it's fantastic. Oh yeah. Uh, listen to them. Listen to the no dunks podcast here on the, uh, athletic with skeets and, and the guys, the former starters, I, I, I will not, uh, not cause you any legal pain by going over that again, but skeets, <laughs> Taz, Trey, Lee, and JD, they bring it to you every day, which I could not possibly do. No dunks on the athletic thank you for joining us man appreciate it no problem thank you guys i just want to say quickly there are like a million nba podcasts nowadays you guys know this uh and and a lot of them are great ones on the athletic you guys you two guys have one of the ones that i make sure to listen to uh, whenever you release and 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 i listen to uh obviously a lot but there are just too many but you guys are at the top of the list so thanks for having me on appreciate it man so i'm let's just end it there right and be on the lookout for um i got something i've already filed it with uh khalid um, I did a piece about new New Balance signing Kawhi Leonard. Okay. Um, what the last year has been like between New Balance and Kawhi. Their plan for basketball is basically a first foray into the basketball space. They gave us a ton of stuff. Um, it's probably the best thing I ever did. Uh, be on the lookout for that. That's coming out soon. All right. So. Thank you all for listening. And if you haven't subscribed to Hoops Adjacent, you know, go to The Athletic, search Hoops Adjacent, log on to it, and follow us on uh, the various platforms. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Um, I think you might get a little discount if you become a subscriber to Hoops Podcast. I'm sure you, uh, Hoops Adjacent, I'm sure you can find it somewhere. Um, and if you do leave a review on Apple or any of the other platforms, leave that five star. And if you don't like the show, keep it to yourself. We will talk to you next week from Chicago and All-Star Weekend. See you.